0: Do your career goals require you to take a standardized test like the GRE, GMAT, LSAT, MCAT, or SAT? Magoosh Online Test Prep provides you with the tools you need to get a great score, like study schedules, up-to-date practice questions, video lessons, and support from expert tutors. Study anywhere, anytime, on desktop or mobile. Visit Magosh M-A-G-O-O-S-H, dot and enter the promo code MYTHS for a 15% off discount. Quick disclaimer. There are some adult themes on this episode, as well as a mention of sexual assault. Please check out the post on mythsandlegends.com for more information. This week on Myths and Legends, it's the first half of the story of Faust, the famous doctor who makes an even more famous deal with the devil. In this episode, we'll watch some 16th century ESPN and see how a Gandalf quote tattoo might just save your soul. The creature this week is the Ono Centaur, the centaur's sad little donkey insect cousin. This is Myths and Legends, episode 151A, A Man of Wealth and Taste. This is a podcast where I tell stories from mythology and folklore. Some are incredibly popular stories you think you know, but with surprising origins. Others are stories that might be new to you, but are definitely worth a listen. Faust. It began as a legend. Over time, however, we see its expansion into the realm of literature. There's the initial chapbook, which is one of the earliest written mentions of the legend. Then, there's Christopher Marlowe's adaption for the stage, in his spoiler ridden title, The Tragical History of Dr. Faustus. It's both of those versions that will serve as inspiration for the Dr. Faust and the extremely famous story, Faust, by Goethe, one of the most important works of German literature. Because Goethe's version is so different from the original version circulated in the 16th century, today's story isn't really going to be reflective of Goethe's version for a few reasons the chief of which being that it's only loosely based off the legend, and it's largely a work by Goethe, which is in no way a slight. It's a masterpiece of German literature. Our adaptation today is primarily based on the original chapbooks, which were small, cheaply made paperback booklets, containing stories, ballads, tracks, and more. In this case, a legend about a man named Faust. We'll bring in a little bit from Christopher Marlowe's version to connect the dots, and that's only because his play was influenced heavily by the chapbooks and the popular legends circulating at the time. The legends are based off a possible historical figure by the name of Johann Faust. Although the legends mixed so quickly and so thoroughly with the history that, you know, who really knows at this point? Allegedly, Faust was an alchemist, back when that was a thing, and it's said that he was born in 1481 and was either a con man who preyed on the gullible or a respected academic. He was also supposedly expelled from several cities for things ranging from fun and ridiculous, such as conjuring Homer for his students when he was teaching the Iliad, and conjuring wine and bringing wine barrels to life so he could ride them, to more sickening news that he fled certain teaching positions after molestation charges surfaced. His life story is sprinkled with points in and out of exile and in and out of prison. Once, while talking to a priest in prison, Dr. Faust allegedly shared a way to remove facial hair without a razor. The priest, I guess interested in not having to pay for shaves, asked Faust how this could be done. Faust reportedly worked his alchemical science on a cup of wine, which he handed to the priest. Well, the wine and the poison in the wine worked because it removed all the facial hair and the priest's face in the process. We'll talk about the story about the historical demise of Dr. Faust. But first, let's jump right into the legendary side. We'll meet up with the famous professor, alchemist, and doctor, not in a lecture hall or laboratory, but on the crossroads at night, where, if you've listened to this podcast and heard any number of Creature of the Week descriptions, you already know that's a way to meet some fun, terrifying creatures. It was midnight, and Dr. Faust had just finished drawing the third circle at the crossroads biting his lip ever so slightly. He stepped back with a smile, taking in his work. Summoning the devil himself to bend him to your will? Oh yeah. This was a great idea. Dr. Faust had grown up with a dream in his heart, to be a doctor. And his dream had become a reality. Really easily, actually. And at way too young of an age, he had been admitted to the university at Wittenberg and learned everything he could about everything, when you could still do that in the world, and soon... He was a professor, a medical doctor, an alchemist, the envy of his friends, a plague in his rivals, and supremely, inescapably bored. His mind ever turning, he thought about his situation. Knowledge could win him the respect of squabbling old men. It was interesting and elucidating in and of itself, but could it do more? Could it give him power, love? Well, not love, so to speak, He didn't really believe that love was anything more than a combination of attachment and the gratification of physical desires, but if he was being honest, he would like some gratification of physical desires with or without the attachment. The respect of squabbling old men got him a lot of things, but it did not make for a strong dating game. So he went into the parts of the libraries people didn't go. He traveled to faraway lands where people were open to different ideas. He dug deep into myths and legends and tales told by travelers at night and slowly pieced together what he must do. He was going to summon a demon. And so, here he was. As we know, a crossroads at midnight was the obvious place to go to meet all sorts of things you absolutely never wanted to meet. And Dr. Faust was ready. Standing before three circles, marked with arcane runes and languages no one had spoken for thousands of years, he began the chance. When those were finished, he uttered the words. He said that he renounced God in heaven and swore allegiance to hell. That was when the forest exploded. Dr. Faust was blown clear off his feet, landing sprawled flat on his back. His ears ringing, he looked up at the forest. All the trees that hadn't torn from the ground had snapped at 90 degree angles. He squinted for a clearer view of the scene before him, expecting to see a host of hell, but instead... He saw a fancy orchestra. Hmm. A light hovered, and around him, instruments played the sweetest music he had ever heard. In the midst of the light and music, a tourney of knights began jousting. Momentarily pleased at what amounted to 15th century ESPN, Dr. Faust cocked an eyebrow, rose to his feet. Wait a second, he was being tricked. The not-so-good doctor held up his hands and began chanting anew and the orchestra and knights vanished. Faust chanted louder, his chants turning to screams in the night, when something started to blink into existence, seemingly against its own will. There was another crack of thunder, and something else hovered before him. There, hovering in the sky, was a dragon. It was more terrifying than anything Faust had ever seen or imagined, but he would come prepared for that, too. The third circle glowed in the dirt, and Faust uttered the words. And above him, above the dragon, a star began to shine, and then it fell. At the last possible moment, the dragon dipped, and the star slammed into the ground, nearly missing the circles. Faust glowered and called down another star, then another. Finally, one connected, and the dragon erupted into a gush of fire. The smoke that took its place didn't filter up into the sky, it dropped to the ground. It took the shape of a human, though still vague and incomplete. Faust smiled. A friar. The smoke darkened, and, slowly, the brown robes and balding head of a friar took form. The eyes appeared last, and they flashed red before turning brown. Still grinning, Faust stepped back. It had worked. Tomorrow, he commanded inside Faust's house. No, the demon in the form of a friar spat back. Oh, was this fun for you? Being forcibly dragged here and pinned to one spot in time? Commanded by a human? No? Well, if you don't want that to happen again, then meet me in my office at 8 a.m. tomorrow. Faust informed the demon that the creature would be there at 8 regardless of whether he chose to or not. This was just a test, and it would take some minor tweaking to force the demon to one form, and to dispense with the theatrics of the sports and the dragon and all that nonsense. But it would be nicer for everyone if the demon understood the way their arrangement would work. Now, the demon may go. But remember, 8 a.m. The friar sneered and disappeared. Faust spent another few minutes sweeping the markings free from the crossroads, and then quickly made his way back to Wittenberg. He had an early meeting. Three rules,'' Dr. Faust spouted the next morning, the friar standing before him in his triple-locked office. ''One, the demon would be subservient to him and all he might request, inquire, or expect of the demon throughout his life and death. Two, the demon was to withhold no information from him. And three, the spirit would respond completely honestly to everything Faust asked. ''Uh, no,'' the friar replied. Faust's eyes widened. It's not that I don't want to, the demon continued, though I definitely don't want to. It's that I can't. Can't or won't, Faust countered. Eyes narrowed as he thumbed through the ancient tome, looking for an incantation to punish the demon. Uh, kind of both, replied the demon. He explained that he had a boss too, you know. People are always like, oh, my boss is so bad, I work for the devil. But the demon here actually worked for the devil. And, like every workplace, there were things you could do and things you couldn't do. And those three things, he couldn't do those three things. In fact, the only reason he was here, other than being compelled to appear, was because he was bringing Faust in. It was less arcane magic, though that was absolutely powerful, and more so the fact that he had uttered that he, quote, renounced God in heaven. The magic really only expedited the process. You see, it forced the demonic host to reveal itself, and no one on earth witnessed that and lived. So, now it was time to go. Faust might have him, but there were demons all around. Power or no, Faust was coming with them. Dr. Faust staggered back in terror. Who would have thought messing with arcane, demonic power beyond his comprehension could ever backfire? The demons stood there blinking in disbelief. Faust, though, he held up a finger. Wait. Suppressing a smile, the demon took one step forward. What did Faust want to say? What would his last words be? Faust looked into the eyes of the friar as they flashed red. Let's make a deal. We'll learn the outcome of this famous agreement, but that...
1: according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash podcast. That's indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.
0: At 4 p.m., the friar was back in Faust's office. This was an unusual circumstance for everyone, so both parties needed some time to figure out what this looked like. Together, they came to the following terms. Faust would agree to a certain number of years. 24, the demon blurted. Faust agreed that, you know, that sounded reasonable. He was already in his 40s, and this was the 1500s, so he couldn't reasonably expect more than that. After the expiration of the term, Faust himself would expire, and his soul would be the property of the devil. To confirm their agreement, he would sign a contract in his own blood and would renounce the Christian faith and defy all believers. If, Faust kept to those terms, every lust of his heart would be fulfilled during his time on earth. Money, power, women, whatever he wanted would be his. Faust stared at the paper on the desk, eyeing the terms laid out before him. He just wanted to confirm. He was already damned, correct? If they didn't reach an agreement his only option was leaving right now. The demon nodded silently. Yep, he was afraid so. Those weren't even his rules. Those were... Let's not worry about whose rules those were. Faust shouldn't focus on the future, but on the present, and all the things that will be his, if he were to sign. Faust asked for a night to think it over. This was, after all, a big decision. The friar nodded again. Of course. They were beings committed to the damnation and torture of humanity, but that didn't mean they were unreasonable. That night, Faust's sleep was fitful at best. In his dreams, he saw an unknown being dressed in white, something quite the opposite of the demonic friar. He shirked from the light, but it only grew, warming him and enveloping him. It said that, no matter what he felt or thought he knew, he could always return. He could always go back. He was always loved. He snapped awake and found himself looking straight into the eyes of the friar. Rising quickly, he realized he had fallen asleep at his desk. It was fading, but he recalled having a wonderful yet horrible dream. The friar spoke, playing the doctor from his thoughts. He thought of Faust like a friend now. They should be on more familiar terms, you know, since they'd be seeing so much of each other. The demon shared that his name was Mephistopheles. Faust turned to face him. Hey, why did the devil want his soul? Faust asked. Oh, the devil just wanted his soul because he wants to make humanity suffer like you suffered, Mephistopheles replied. Oh, Dr. Faust replied. Yep, Mephistopheles said with a nod. Yeah, but how bad could he really be? Like, how terrible is hell, am I right? Faust said with a laugh. Uh, very and extremely, Mephistopheles said, and handed Faust a penknife instructing the doctor to jab his own finger. It was time to sign. The specifics of hell seeming so far away, and the excitement of his every lust and desire being fulfilled, seeming so close, Dr. Faust ignored his dream, and agreed to the deal, stabbing the knife into his fingertip, until blood trickled from it. He held his finger over a small basin, and readied the quill. When there was enough, he dipped the quill, pressed it to the paper, and nothing happened. The blood ran off like water on wax. Huh, he dipped his quill again, and again, the blood ran off. Dr. Faust, remember, was also a medical doctor, so he knew just how viscous blood was supposed to be. And the answer here was more viscous. It shouldn't run off like that. Hey, you think my own blood is trying to tell me not to do this? Faust asked. Mephistopheles laughed in his face. That was preposterous. Oh, okay, but also, why does it say homifuge on my arm now? Like, the Latin words for essentially fly, you fool, showed up on my arm just now. He pointed it out to the friar. It literally said, oh man, fly, and not fly, you fool, unfortunately. But we can dream, right? Mephistopheles gasped. no. No worries about words spontaneously appearing in a dead language on his arm, warning him exactly of what he was going to do. Happened all the time. Right, nodded the doctor hesitantly. Weird, but definitely not something to read into. You're right, it's fine. Mephistopheles would just go get a metal bowl to warm and thicken the blood so they could write with it. While Mephistopheles was gone, Dr. Faust wondered aloud, was it too late for him to repent of all this? Was he too far gone? Uh, no. He heard from his right. He spun and saw an angel of God standing there, hand on Faust's shoulder. Yeah, the angel said. The demon was lying. It was a demon, after all. The truth was that Faust was not doomed. He still had a choice to make. And if he repented, the power of God would overwhelm the demons and drive them out of this place. Faust had only to follow God, and everything would be okay. The doctor stammered, but, but the demon said he was already doomed to hell. It was go now or go later, but the destination would be the same. The angel shook his head. Wait, the demon told him something that turned out to be a lie? I mean, seriously, Faust was smart, right? He reiterated, Faust could repent and turn to God. Seriously, these were demons. If they could take Faust immediately, why would they give themselves 24 years of work, fulfilling his every desire, only to take him at a later time? There was a noise at the other end of the room, and Faust saw Mephistopheles returning with a bowl to boil his blood in, to make it less watery in order to sign the contract. Faust looked back to the angel, but the angel was gone. Mephistopheles narrowed his eyes. It smelled like happiness in here. Faust was left in anxiety. He had started down this road, he had summoned a demon and made a pact with Lucifer himself to trade his mortal soul. Was he already damned? Could he really still be saved? Mephistopheles could see him wavering and the demon in the form of a friar came forward, putting his hands on Faust's back and massaging him. It was a done deal already, bud. No matter what that stupid angel said. Faust's soul was already forfeit. Might as well get paid for it, right? This was the 1500s. 24 years was Basically a lifetime. Think about all that cool stuff, huh? Cool stuff? Cool stuff, magical powers, and and all those gross things he said about physical gratification? Mephistopheles waved his hands, and Faust saw a vision. He saw himself learning the secrets of the universe from demons. He saw himself standing before kings. He saw himself replete with all the... He saw himself replete with all that Mephistopheles had promised. Money. Power women. Whether he knew, deep down, that the demons were lying, or that he was doing their job for him, and deceiving himself was immaterial. As Mephistopheles showed him the visions, the blood bubbled in the heat of the candle. Faust dipped the nib and signed the contract. Instantly, the blood dried, and, with a smile, Mephistopheles rolled up the contract. It was done. Faust belonged to them. In the chat book, the party begins straight away. And by party, I mean Dr. Faust getting 1,300 crowns a year and all you can eat fowl. Yep, this high roller was living in luxury. All he had to do was open the window and say the name of any bird he wanted to eat and that bird would come flying through. Then it was simply a matter of killing, plucking and cooking it. He was truly living the life. Luckily, he didn't have to do the same with grapes and Mephistopheles was more than happy to make the best wine in Germany disappear from its cellars, and appear in Faust's. He did the same with Faust's clothes, and the doctor grew in esteem and reputation. It was only in his office, in his home, behind locked doors, that Faust conjured Mephistopheles. No one knew of the demon, and no one could know. Even if someone was watching, Mephistopheles only ever came in the form of a portly friar, never in his true form, which Faust would have hardly been able to handle anyway. In fact, in the chapbook, he only saw the true form of the demons once, when he asked to marry. It was a simple request. The demons had promised certain gratifications, and given his position at the university, and his money, and clothes, and all-you-can-eat fowl, Dr. Faust had been attracting attention from women all around Wittenberg. So, yeah, he wanted a wife. And he wanted the demons to make that happen. They made wild birds fly in the window. They could help a beautiful maiden walk in his front door. However, that was where Mephistopheles shook his head. Nope, sorry, couldn't help. Faust furrowed his brow... What did the demon mean he couldn't help? What was the point of their contract? And the blood? They talked about this exact thing, you know. Physical gratification. The demonic friar nodded. Yes, he could help with that. But he couldn't help with marriage. Marriage was God's territory, and Faust had vowed hatred toward God and his ways. Unfortunately for Faust, he was looking at life as a confirmed bachelor. Annoyed, Faust chuckled. Well, whatever. He didn't need Mephistopheles' help for this one. With all the other stuff, he had women beating down his door. He'd get married, no matter the consequences. He turned on a heel to leave, so he didn't see the friar's eyes flash with fire, and the rest of his skin burn away, revealing Mephistopheles' true form. He did, however, notice that his door was on fire when he reached it. He turned back and and so that the circles on the floor, the same ones he had used to conjure Mephistopheles in the first place, were now fiery holes, and growing quickly, claws emerged from each of them, and soon, the room was swarming with demons. Faust tried to run, but they grabbed him and pulled him down. Within moments, he was in a place of fire, and yet also darkness. Mephistopheles loomed above, and Faust shirked away from his true form, while Satan himself loomed in the distance. Mephistopheles asked Faust if he was gonna find himself in breach of the contract and go marry. As the demon's claws tore into his skin, Faust could only manage to shake his head. Mephistopheles smiled and Faust blinked. In an instant, they were back in his study and the horrifying demon was, once again, the portly monk. He smiled and helped the frozen, wide-eyed Faust to his feet the friar cleared his throat. As he was saying, Faust couldn't marry, but they could help with his... desires. From this point, until the end of the contract, all Faust had to do was point to someone he wanted to... be with, and she would be led to Faust's bedroom that night. She would be in a trance, and act any way that Faust wished. But the following morning, she would find herself back in her normal bed, with no memory of what had taken place. Faust stammered. Any woman? He asked with a gulp. Mephistopheles nodded. Any living woman, from queens to serving girls, would be his. He need only to tell them who. Thinking of all the women that he knew, all that he had seen, Faust could only smile. He looked out the window and saw that the sun was setting, and turned to Mephistopheles. Mephistopheles, Could they get started now? Mephistopheles nodded. Sure, whatever. Just give him enough time to find the woman and then get out of the room because he did not want to be there for that. Faust thought of one of his biggest academic rivals at the university and then he thought of the man's wife. Mephistopheles disappeared for a few moments and when he returned, he announced that she would be waiting for Faust in his room. Now, this is beyond gross. And I feel like with this, Faust really turns another corner. There's upping your wine game and bird delivery, and then there's Faust sexually assaulting a different person every night. It's dark, but what makes it a little less dark is that Faust only believes he's sexually assaulting a different person every night. You see, for what I imagine is a ton of different reasons, not the least of which being God protecting the woman, the demons couldn't lead actual women to Faust's bedchamber each night. So, who was there? The demons. I can just imagine demon number 92 punching the clock that night, and with a deep sigh, wondering if it was really a good idea to rebel against God, and be cast out of heaven for this, putting on the form of a specific medieval woman, to go satisfy the desires of an aging academic. It's still bad, but it wasn't women being led to his room, but rather a shape-shifting demon, begrudgingly doing their part, to see the bargain through. Years passed, and through many of his talks with Mephistopheles, Faust learned the mysteries of the universe. He learned how Satan was once an angel of God, before being cast out of heaven. He learned of hell, and of how it was an abyss, a pain which humans could never comprehend. And, Faust also learned how demons swayed people away from God, took root in their hearts, and caused that separation to grow. There was, however, another lesson he learned on his own. Throughout all of this, despite his disgusting nightly visits, free wine and bird buffet, Faust realized that these things didn't satisfy, that there was a growing hole deep within, that nothing could fill. And he wondered, was it really too late for him, Was he now too far gone? That's it for this week. Next week, we'll continue and close our story of Dr. Faust. So... If you'd like to support the show beyond leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or telling a friend, there's also a membership thing on the site. For less than the price of a loaf of bread stress... Loaf? Stress ball? I guess that's not a ball. You can get extra episodes, source-pack ebooks, and ad-free versions of this show that won't leave you way more stressed out than if you accidentally took a bite of your squeezable bread stress ball. Check out support.mythpodcast.com for more info on the membership. Creature this week is the Ono Centaur, from the bestiaries of medieval Europe. And yeah, Ono Centaur is not just what you say when you see a centaur. Yeah, we still do dad jokes, but it's a somehow less threatening and simultaneously more creepy creature than a traditional centaur. The Ono Centaur is pretty similar to a centaur, and someone like me with very poor knowledge of animals might not be able to immediately tell the difference between a centaur and an Ono Centaur and that's because an Ono centaur is basically a centaur, but with the bottom half of a donkey, instead of a horse. The Ono centaur enjoys mentions in both 2nd century AD Greek natural history texts, as well as the Bible. And yeah, it seems less threatening than a regular centaur at first glance, because right away, you'll see that it's smaller. Another main difference is that, in some depictions, the Ono centaur is lacking the front legs of the donkey, giving it the two back hooves of the donkey, and making it just this weird curved bipedal creature with a donkey chest but no legs leading up to the human half with its weird long arms and apparently abs of steel to keep that whole thing balanced. The more common depiction of the Ono Centaur is one with the four bottom donkey legs and two human hands. But where this differs, I feel, from most normal centaur is that the Ono Centaur have the ability to make their human back and donkey back completely straight, drop down to the ground and run on all six appendages their creepy long arms, and all four donkey legs, making them like a giant, disturbing human donkey bug. If that wasn't strange enough, there's the oddly specific descriptions of the Ono Centaur. I'm not sure if there are any female Ono Centaur, but for the men, they're described as having thick beards and, as quoted from the 2nd century Greek historian, teats that are swelling and stand out on the breast. No word on why that's the case, but I just wanted to give you that visual component. The second-century Greek historian tells that the Onocentaur are easily angered. You probably would be too, if you had to turn into a giant donkey bug to run, and are willful, like their famously obstinate lower half. If you see an Ono and aren't equipped with hydropoison-coated arrows, run! And if you catch it, which, really, why would you or anyone want to? But if you catch it, it will refuse to eat, and prefer to just waste away. Preferring death to servitude. That's it for this week. Myths and Legends is by Jason and Carissa Weiser. Our theme song is by the band Broke for Free, and the Creature of the Week music is by Steve Combs. There are links to even more music in the show notes. And I want to say thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring us this week. Whatever struggles you're facing, from depression and anxiety to trauma and grief, BetterHelp can connect you with a professional counselor in a safe and private online environment. It is so convenient. You can schedule secure video or phone sessions, as well as chat and text with your therapist and anything you share is completely confidential. Best of all, it is a truly affordable option. Our listeners get 10% off your first month with the discount code LEGENDS. So why not get started? Simply go to betterhelp.com legends and fill out a questionnaire to get matched with a counselor you'll love today. All right, thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you
1: next time.